Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, glad to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, we've run several stories recently about the situation down at the border, and it continues to be a problem for Texas farmers and ranchers. The leader of the nation's largest farm organization recently visited the border. We'll have some comments from him to kick off today's show. And every year we see cases of anthrax in cattle here in Texas. This year is no exception. Another case has popped up, and we'll have the details on exactly where that is coming up in just a bit. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Another winter wheat season is about to begin in the Texas High Plains, and for farmers, success may come down to management practices such as variety selection. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Sustainability becoming more and more important for international customers of U.S. red meat. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Agricultural aviation is celebrating a century of contributions in helping to feed a hungry nation. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets, all coming up. The Texas House Appropriations Committee has approved a bill that would provide nearly $2 billion to help secure the Mexican border. The bill would pay for prosecuting migrants for trespassing, building border barriers, and dispatching state troopers to the border to arrest immigrants. The leader of the nation's largest farm organization visited the border recently to see firsthand how Texas farmers and ranchers are dealing with the issue. All the, uh, the communities are exhausting every bit of their energy to help the people that's coming across and catch the people that's trying to sneak across and want to do harm. That's American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duvall. He says Farm Bureau is in a position to help find solutions. Well, I would say yes, because every issue that affects American farmers and ranchers is the issue that we're ready to try to tackle. And, and of course, our policy there around securing the border and providing a, uh, a workforce for agriculture is the two issues that we've worked a lot on, and we'll continue to do that. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is rolling out several state initiatives to try to stop the flood of illegal immigrants crossing the border. Another case of anthrax has been reported here in Texas. Jessica Domel tells where. A third animal in Texas has tested positive for anthrax. According to the Texas Animal Health Commission, a horse in southern Armstrong County, that's southeast of Amarillo, tested positive August 20th. As a result, the property where the horse was kept is now under quarantine. Other livestock there are being vaccinated. Dr. Andy Schwartz, executive director of the Animal Health Commission, said they're closely monitoring the situation and they encourage other producers in the county to consult with their veterinarian if they have questions or concerns about anthrax. 
Anthrax is a bacterial disease caused by an organism that can occur naturally in the soil. In Texas, it is most often found in the southwestern area of the state, in Crockett, Valverde, Sutton, Edwards, Kinney, and Maverick counties. This third case is outside that area, but Dr. Schwartz notes there was a case of anthrax in a bull in Armstrong County last September. Symptoms of anthrax include acute fever and rapid death. A vaccine is available. Livestock owners are encouraged to contact their veterinarian if interested in the vaccine. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. USDA has announced a new plan to keep dairy farmers from having to dump surplus milk. Deputy Secretary Jewel Bronal says it's called the Dairy Donation Program. The benefits of the Dairy Donation Program are threefold. It reduces food waste, makes sure farmers are paid for the milk they produce, and provides nutritious dairy products to American families. The goal is to facilitate timely dairy product donations at times when traditional purchase programs don't move quickly enough. When there is surplus milk production, we're encouraging the milk to be donated instead of losing milk to loss and waste. The establishment of the dairy donation program is part of $6 billion in pandemic assistance USDA announced back in March. And it follows last week's announcement of a $350 million pandemic market volatility assistance program for dairy farmers. Another winter wheat season is about to get underway here in Texas. James Hunt tells us that success this year may come down to management practices such as variety selection. We're probably still a few weeks away from when wheat planting will be in full swing in the Texas High Plains, but with grain prices staying strong, interest in wheat is expected to be high this season. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says recent AgriLife research demonstrates that with the right kind of weather and some good management practices, wheat farmers can produce a strong grain crop here even without irrigation. In the Groom area, we had a wheat variety trial and our dry land yields were in that 80 bushel range and it was the most beautiful dry land wheat that I have ever seen and likely the most beautiful dry land wheat I may ever see. So we do have that upper end potential in a dry land environment, but it does go back to management, selecting the proper variety, paying attention to the fertility needs in a dry land environment and the timing of the fertility, and then also being on top of fungicide and herbicide and really just those pesticide programs. In the management practices Dr. Bell listed, she mentioned variety selection. And to help farmers with that, AgriLife recently released its annual Wheat Picks list with analysis of the top-performing varieties for our region. Farmers can obtain that publication online or by calling their local extension office. And those AgriLife Wheat Variety Picks will also be the subject of a presentation Dr. Bell is giving at the Randall County Ag Day and Crops Tour coming up on Tuesday, August 31st in Canyon. That's a free event, and you can contact the Randall County Extension Office for a full list of the day's activities and to RSVP your attendance. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Sustainability is growing in importance in the international meat trade. Tom Nicoletti explains. Sustainability is high on the priority list of international customers of U.S. red meat. Cheyenne McIndefer is Director of Export Services with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. 
we really see this as an opportunity to get ahead of the game and start talking about the really good things that we are doing throughout the meat and livestock supply chain on the sustainability. And this is really pertinent now because not only do we have customers in different countries asking what are U.S. cattle, what are U.S. pork producers doing, but also because we have a lot of international interests for events like the Food Systems Summit in September. The Paris Climate Accord obviously will see countries looking at how to reduce their emissions and we want to make sure that ag isn't unfairly impacted. The Meat Export Federation official says the U.S. is home to the most sustainable beef industry in the world. There are a lot of things that agriculture gets blamed on, and we really see this as an opportunity to highlight exceptional things that we've been doing in the U.S. And because our highly productive systems make us sustainable in many areas, we are already the most sustainable beef industry in the world based on emissions. We produce more pounds of beef with less total beef cattle because of our grain finishing model. So we have superior cattle genetics, and it makes those cattle very efficient. All of that saves resources. And our grain finishing also allows us to get those animals to slaughter age in 18 to 20 months versus a grass-finished model, which could take two to four years. USMEF Cheyenne McIndaffer says the U.S. industry emphasizes its unique ability to produce both beef and pork using fewer resources and locally produced feedstuffs. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Agricultural aviation is celebrating a century of contributions in helping to feed our nation. Gary Joyner has more. This month marks 100 years of agricultural aviation in the U.S. U.S. Army pilot John McCready made the first aerial application during an experimental flight on a Curtis JN-6 Super Jenny in 1921. It was after the end of World War II that the industry really took off. Thousands of pilots returned from the war effort, airplanes were cheap, and pilots were plentiful. So an industry that had grown slowly before the war began to expand rapidly. In Texas, the first aerial applicators were likely in the Rio Grande Valley or in the rice belt of the coastal bend. The Texas Agricultural Aviation Association launched in the Rio Grande Valley in 1951. Technology has put aerial applicators at the forefront of precision agriculture. Today's airplanes are safer, faster, and able to cover more acres per hour than ever before. Dispersal systems allow for exact placement of the products being applied. A variable rate of product allows pilots to to apply only the exact amount of product needed. It's precise and it's targeted. The results are increased yields for Texas farmers who battle insects and plant diseases every day. Aerial applicators are partners with those on the ground. We celebrate their century of contributions in helping to feed a hungry nation. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The state has taken additional action to prevent the further spread of chronic wasting disease. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the Texas A&M Veterinary Diagnostic Lab has a new test for certain drugs in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. 
Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The Texas A&M Veterinary Diagnostic Lab can now test for certain drugs in performance horses using hair analysis. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains. The horse racing industry has multiple drugs and medications that are banned from use or banned from being in the horse's system at the time of the race. By using hair, the lab can determine if the horse has been treated with a class of drugs called beta-adrenergic agonists, such as albuterol, clenbuterol, ractopamine, bambuterol, and zilpaterol. Certain drugs bind to melanin in hair and can be detected months or even years following the administration of the drug. This is one technique that allows the regulators of the racing industry to check for banned drugs administered long after the race that are likely not in the patient's blood or urine at the time of the race. Segmental analysis can be performed on hair to create a drug profile that can determine if a drug was given and approximately when it was given to the horse. Dr. Mays indicated equine hair grows about two centimeters per month or about three-fourths of an inch, and mane and tail hair is measured from the root and cut into two centimeter segments, and detection of the drug in these sections will allow the lab to make a timeline and determine when the drugs were administered. So if you were buying a racehorse or any performance horse and wanted to see if the horse was given these illegal medications over the last four months, hair analysis could help. However, hair analysis does not help diagnose nutritional deficiencies, such as lack of minerals. Although lots of people on the Internet are selling equine hair analysis to diagnose almost every equine condition, there is no evidence to support the use of most of those claims. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas has taken additional action to prevent the further spread of chronic wasting disease in our state. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission has approved the creation of new chronic wasting disease containment and surveillance zones and the expansion of an existing zone in response to recent cases of chronic wasting disease in both wild and captive deer populations. One of the new containments and one of the new surveillance zones will cover portions of Lynn, Lubbock, Garza, and Crosby counties. Mitch Lockwood, the Big Game Program Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, explains the need for that zone. CWD was detected in an eight-and-a-half-year-old mule deer buck on the east side of Lubbock last February. This was a free-ranging deer that was exhibiting clinical symptoms indicating that it likely had the disease for a couple of years or so. Despite a fairly aggressive surveillance program in this area of the state for the past six years, more intensive sampling in the immediate area where the CWD-positive deer was located is necessary to begin to get an understanding of the geographic extent and the prevalence of the disease. New CWD zones were were also approved for portions of Hunt, Kaufman, Rockwall, and Van Zant counties after CWD was found in a deer breeding facility in that area. The commission also approved expansion of CWD zones in South Texas in Uvalde County. Next, we'll move to Uvalde County, where CWD has been detected in three different breeding facilities located on two premises. The locations of these facilities on average are about 25 miles from our existing CWD zones to the east. Hunters who harvest deer within any of the current or new CWD zones 
zones will be required to bring their deer to a mandatory check station to be tested. Deer carcass movement restrictions will also be in effect. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The live cattle market continued its slide downward on Friday, but we did see an uptick in feeder cattle. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The live cattle market continued its slide downward on Friday. We finished in negative territory in just about every contract, but we did see an uptick in the feeder cattle market. That was a nice change of pace for the week. August live cattle dropped $1.27 on Friday to close at $1.22 even. The October down $47, $1.29.12. December live cattle down $0.30, cents, $1.35.32. September feeder cattle up $0.20, cents, $1.64.65. The October up 15 at $1.68.42. November feeders up $0.30, $1.69.95. The cash-fed cattle market somewhat slow last week. Texas cattle feeders reporting 4,057 heads sold. Those cattle brought as high as 123, so that is a buck higher compared to the previous week. When you look around at other areas of the country, we saw some sales out of Nebraska at 130 early in the week, but that tailed off a bit. Most of the cattle sold up north brought 128, two bucks lower compared to those earlier sales in the week. Dressed sales up north, 202 to 208, most at 206. Boxed beef on Friday was lower, choice down at $1.58, 345.69. Select down 413 at 315.46. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear the cattle beller, it's time to talk to Cousin Brian Lissman at Seguin Cattle Company. Cattle and sheep and goats on a Wednesday. Cousin Brian, how'd that Wednesday sale turn out? Market was good again, Larry. You know, uh, the quality of the cattle, they're fleshy coming out of just a fantastic summer. I don't know when we're going to run into condition on cattle. It probably will not happen this fall. The market is solid. It doesn't matter whether it's packer cows or calves. I do not know where this thing is going. Bull yearlings, they've never been this high during this time of the year. Let's walk those bins. <laughs> on them good two to three weight steers, they brought from $1.65 to 214 The three to four weights, $1.51 to 213 Four to five weights, $1.35. 37 to 204 five to six weights dollar 32 to a dollar 72 six to sevens a dollar 25 to a dollar 56 and the seven to eight weight steers dollar 16 to a dollar 42 on the heifer mates two to three weights dollar 24 to a dollar 70 three to four weights dollar 48 to 11 four to five dollar 33 to a dollar 63 five to six weights dollar 29 to a dollar 82 and the six seven hundred pound heifers dollar 31 to a dollar 80 you get it on them packer cows uh, the utility and commercial they brought from 65 to 80 we really didn't have that many pairs. They all brought from 650 to 900. Good high yielding bulls. They brought up to 98, 
88 cents. In the sheep and goat market, good nannies, they brought from 205 to 275 with good kids bringing up to 405 and you get to the door per use. They brought from 140 to 195 with those good lambs bringing from 290 to 320. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week. Give us a call at 830-379-9955 or you can call me on my cell phone at 830-305-0652. Maybe that's it for Walking the Pins. I'm your host, Larry Marble. We are a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs took a big jump on Friday. The October contract up 282 to close at 9072. December hogs up a buck 65, closing at 8305. Class three milk was steady to lower. August milk unchanged, 1598 100 weights. September milk down 32 at 1675. The cotton market closed higher on Friday. Nervousness in the market over what Ida is going to do to the cotton crop in the Mid-South. Of course, as of Friday, it wasn't a hurricane yet, but the forecast as traders were trading the market was for a possible Category 3 hurricane to hit Louisiana and tear right through that Mid-South cotton crop. So that pushed the market higher. October cotton up 91 points, 96.27. The December up 68 points closing at 94.84 cents. The corn market finished higher on Friday. September corn up five and a quarter, 558. December corn up three, 553 and three quarters. The wheat market had a pretty good week, but we did end lower on Friday. We're still sitting above $7 on both hard and soft wheat. That's near seven-year highs, so still a lot of strength in this market. September Kansas City wheat down three and a quarter, 712 and a quarter. New crop July wheat down two at 712 a bushel. September Chicago wheat down six and three quarters, 718 and a half. The July 22 crop down two cents, 718 and a half. Rough rice was lower on Friday, September down eight cents, 1323 a hundredweight. November soybeans down three, 1323 and a quarter. September soybean meal off 230 to close at 354.20 a ton. In the energy markets, we've seen a big jump in the natural gas market recently. September natural gas up 19 cents on Friday, 437. October crude oil up $1.31 to finish at 68.73 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Friday. The Dow up 242 points, 35,455. The NASDAQ up 183 at 15,129. The S&P up 39 points, 4,509. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. See you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.